Hi, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of Pathways to Business Success podcast series that teaches insights and knowledge about the spectrum of the business world. My name is Ihab Tabbara, and I'll be your host. I'm a retail consultant with over 20 years of experience and holding an MBA from London Business School. Today, I have the pleasure of having with me our amazing guest speaker, Kai Kuganesan, Executive Coach at London Business School. Please, Kai, can you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a bit of your background and history? Sure. Thank you, Ihab, for inviting me to, to this podcast. It sounds like a great initiative. I'm excited to see um, uh, how it develops. So my name is, is Kai. I've known Ihab from London Business School as Ihab is a um, an executive MBA alum from the school. Uh, my background is a little bit strange. I had a, have an academic background in neuroscience, uh, and this took me down a path of being interested in uh, psychology, especially uh, human potential psychology, organizational behavior, etc. Uh, I started my career in executive search, um, and this was uh, gave me really interesting insights into how companies hire. Um, what are the metrics in which people uh, accelerate their careers and get to that C-level, D-level and board-level trajectory? Um, and the combination of these two things and, uh, took me into a path of uh, career coaching where I, where I joined London Business School and was helping a lot of executive MBA candidates um, about figuring out their long-term goals and navigating some of the short-term uh, obstacles in their career. Uh, and that's that's how I met you and, then, and that's how this relationship started. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic uh, background, Kai. I'm really uh, amazed, by the way. Uh, I'm really intrigued by this neuroscience thing. Can you give us a bit of uh, history about it or why you started it and how come you shifted to the executive? Yeah, definitely. I think um, there is a quote. I'm going, I'm, I might uh, misquote it, but there is an idea about um, be the type of person that you needed when you were younger. Uh, when I was um, choosing um, what path, I always knew I wanted to go to university, but I was a little bit unsure about what I wanted to do with my life. And I actually felt quite claustrophobic about making huge decisions uh, at such a young age when I was so uncertain about what the future could be uh, and all the different opportunities out there. And my peer group were almost very certain. A lot of them wanted to be doctors, they wanted to be engineers, they wanted to be accountants. Um, and I was a little bit unsure about which of these paths I wanted to take because they all had positives and negatives. Um, I was drawn to neuroscience because I felt this was a degree that I would be motivated to finish and learn um, and also offered that limitless potential because I felt that the human, human brain was the last thing to be undiscovered, I guess, in biology, and it was very fascinating to me. Um, and so I ended up doing uh, neuroscience at Nottingham University, which is um, – in the UK, which is famous because it's um, the MRI machine was developed by Peter Mansfield there. But actually, what was interesting was I didn't do enough research on the degree before starting the degree, um, which was it was super technical, very technical. Um, um, and almost the whole degree almost put me off the, the field of, of working in that space. But um, as we know, we get kind of um, diverted from our path with new information. Uh, and it did take me down the path of psychology because that was a, a very fascinating to me. So I was interested in stuff like quite macro concepts like music in the brain, our personality, uh, why we sleep, um, you know, all these kind of things. And actually, the degree was actually quite technical, but it did help me give me that foundation to kind of pursue that path. 
really, really fascinating. I mean, you're absolutely right here about, you know, uh, psychology, neuroscience, all about the human brain, the behaviors, and how we react, you know, this all emotional and intelligent things. So, yeah, I mean, I can totally relate, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would just add that I think um, there's almost various components about, like I said, when you put the two together um, between this background of neuroscience and psychology and then you look at careers and you look at, um, in quotation marks, what defines people's success, it's very interesting to kind of look at the, the patterns that, that people demonstrate um, to be successful. Um, and so you get a lot of talented people. I think what I've learned about my degree in, in, in executive search is that there's so many talented people. In fact, there's an abundance of talent uh, in terms of intelligence, in terms of ability in the market. Um, but I think there is uh, other components which translate that talent into success. And, um, and obviously there's opportunity, availability is one thing, uh, but work ethic and these other software skills is another thing. Um, but there's also a social element to it. There's an ability to get other people to buy into your ideas, other people to recognize your, your capability, your potential. And, and it's this combination of things that I think lead to success. So your ability to have emotional intelligence, the ability to understand other people is really important. But it starts with understanding yourself. So when we do coaching um, with the executive MBAs at London Business School, we look at the personal competence, i.e. what things are they in control of as a person, and then look at social competence, how they can translate these competencies into other values. So, you know, your personal brand, your personal story is one thing, but then how you network is totally different. Um, and so and, and that's still what we try to cover in, in, in our sessions. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, understanding yourself, the personal competence, the social abilities, it's all, I mean, uh, you have to understand yourself first and know yourself so you can be able to move to the next path of your life or something, right? Yeah, definitely. Great, great, great. Um, you know, we, I, mean, I mean, you've been your, my, my coach for the last two years doing my MBA and uh, we've been talking about a lot of things and you put me on the right path to, you know, become my own consultant. Uh, can you walk us through and explain to our audience, you know, how to be visible, what's your guideline, what's your tips, uh, you know, people, you know, just, you know, want to uh, be out there, especially now this time of day is uh, with the COVID-19, it's difficult times, so they want to know how to put themselves out there, you know, so can they be visible to the recruiters or something. Can you give us a few indications yeah, sure. or tips? I mean, um, we are, we are in, we were, we're always on the path to being in a digital world. And having an online presence was needed even five years ago for, for you to be to be to be found. Um, you know, it's not what you know or who you know, but who knows you is the, is the is the old adage. And I think um, in this digital world that we live in, it makes sense for you to be have this strong online presence. But I do feel that um, some people um, we are also living in the age of influencers, in the age of uh, celebrities. Uh, with people that don't actually have a lot of information but are, have a very huge following and have a huge presence. When we look at this from like an executive perspective, I think we need to imagine what these platforms are um, and LinkedIn and Instagram and all these kind of things. They are purely microphones, uh, microphones which allow you to communicate to a wider audience of people than you would ever be able to communicate in person. And this can be a blessing and a curse. I mean, if you have good information that you're going to pass out via this microphone, you will capture your audience and you'll capture the right opportunities and you'll capture the right relationships that will help you be visible. 
if you're putting the wrong things out there, um, you might capture large numbers of uh, audience, but this might not be people that can help you or, or, or in line with your objectives and your career goals. So normally when we do think about how do you develop your online presence, um, again, it's a personal competence thing, taking a look at what is your unique perspective, purpose, access to information, interests that, um, that in combination can be shared. Uh, and the biggest mistake most people make is they think that um, the audience is listening to them, uh, when in fact you need to be putting out things that serve your audience. And if you look at the people that are really successful, really influential, I think they are trying to help their audience more than they're trying to help themselves. Um, and I think starting with that, uh, having an introspective look at what you can feed to your audience, um, what communities can you develop and create, uh, and what value can you bring to the table um, is a great starting point. Another common thing, though, is imposter syndrome. So a lot of people think, you know, there's better people out there that can provide this information than me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, and I see that a common, as a common trait. And I think, um, and it, and and it's reasonable. I think we need to listen to our, um, our 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 objections that we naturally create to ourselves because it keeps us in balance. I think there's people without um, this self control can can uh, can do a lot of damage to to their network. But imposter syndrome is a very common thing that I see. And I think it's uh, it's common, but I think that also you need to understand that you do have a unique perspective. And if you have your audience in mind, and if you do have um, uh, uh, genuinely thinking outside yourself in terms of the content you want to provide, and it's for benefit of other people, you will naturally capture um, uh, and put out interesting things. Um, so that's worth considering. Well, great. So basically, uh, uh, so basically, who knows you, and to put yourself out there. And be basically selfless, you know, to serve your audience without looking at your own interests, basically, to add value on that perspective, yeah. right? Definitely. I think it's, it's obviously, uh, I think there's a Friends uh, TV series where I think one of the characters tries to do a selfless act and is, <laughs> finds it impossible. And I think that's true. I think, I think there would not be a prop, 100% selfless act because obviously there's some benefits to it. But I think if you're selfless in nature and, and think outside of yourself in terms of, of, of what information you can provide, um, that generally captures an audience. I think that intent, is the most important thing. If your intent is to sell to someone, if your intent is to take from someone, I think that's generally quite uh, encourages resistance and encourages, uh, doesn't build relationships. Um, but I think if your intent is positive and your intent is to help other people, is to give other people information. So you see like, um, for example, um, in leadership stuff, I think uh, you're, you're doing a bit of this now as well. Um, you know, most people who are stuck in their career situation would never consider mentoring someone junior to them, right? Um, or people who seek mentors would never think that they could be mentors themselves. Um, and it's, it's very funny that I see this reoccurring pattern, I think. Um, and so the ability to help other people um, will, will, will help, uh, you know, uh, develop the skills. And also you can then in turn um, get other people to help you. And I think we are social creatures, I think, and this is, this is the recipe of how things work. Exactly. Uh, to go back on this syndrome, uh, you mentioned the syndrome thing. Um, how can you, how people uh, with the audience can you know, uh, go outside of this syndrome thing? You know, because people are so scared the first time to start, you know, posting articles or posting uh, posts on LinkedIn or stuff like that. So how can you fe- uh, go out of this fear of posting and being visible to, especially to your boss that is looking at all your, uh, you know, posts and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely different, 
ways in which you could put yourself out there. Um, at the most extreme, it could be recording videos and writing blogs and uh, giving uh, reports. Um, but there's also the other end of that, which is small steps that can also be useful. For example, sharing, if you come across an article written by, say, Financial Times or another you know, trustworthy source that is also you found useful, you can also share that with your audience. You know, not everyone has, is plugged into all things, right? So, um, you know, it's not easy to author your own original content sometimes as well, unless you're an academic. I mean, academics spend their time full time in authoring new content. And even then, they're referencing other people's work. So it's not a case of, of being an academic or professor in your space. Um, but again, if you put it under the frame of what can I do to serve my audience, there's definitely going to be concepts, ideas, information, um, uh, even other sources that you're plugged into that they might appreciate having access to or putting together ideas that they might not have connected to before. Um, so it could be sharing an article. It could be sharing an infographic. It could be um, having your own comment or a contrarian view on things that are being shared out there. All of this stuff is really great information. I think um, um, there is a there is an acronym Tiara, which is like trends, insights, advice. Um, you know, these are these all things are all really valuable content to put out there, and um, and it's definitely a long term game. I think some people might struggle with the idea of transactional value. I think they want they want to see what they put in is what they get out. Exactly. Um, I think and I think that can be a, a mental block. And I think you need to take a step back and have a, an idea about the bigger picture. I think. Your profile, your development of a leadership profile, um, you know, a, 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 a long sustainable leader is someone that is generally a provider. Um, and there's definitely different styles of leadership out there, but this 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 is definitely a metric that I've seen um, a lot of successful people that have long careers, who have opportunities come to them. Um, they tend to embody these types of traits. Great. So basically, I mean, uh, we can start by sharing other people's posts or articles, and then we can take it step by step, so baby steps, so we can you know, build our profile slowly and surely. That's the best way I can see it, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, Ehab, I hope you don't mind, but I, could, I mean, you're a great example of this. I think um, you started um, by sharing some facts and figures about the retail market in Saudi and your LinkedIn uh, and we fast forward maybe a year or two, I think, and then you're running <laughs> webinars for the school, right? You're, you were you were you were co-hosting with you know, retail leaders within the space. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it shows that little by little does become a lot. I think um, confidence is is key. I think you get some really uh, excellent professionals who are confident in their jobs, but in this new idea of of delving to things they're not so confident about, that that can also be a hindering. I think what we should look at it is is confidence based on competence, i.e. Um, instead of it being um, based on emotion, whether you can or can't do something, competence is a much better bedrock to base confidence on. So starting small, doing some small things, posting some little things, getting some traction, and also understanding what metrics you should judge success by. So I have, I'm coaching a student now who said, Kai, I'm doing this stuff, but I'm only getting... 30 likes on LinkedIn <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and when you do it you get uh, 20,000 views on your post and I was like you know this you need to understand the difference between things I think just because a, a large number of likes or views doesn't always indicate success as well right so it's exactly. better to have, have 15 people that are are really 
your target audience or people that are in your field, uh, movers and shakers or influencers in their space, than having a thousand people that would, you know, that have, have, have no interest or no value potentially to add. So, you know, social proof is given by volume. That's great. So when we see on Instagram, someone has a million followers, we assume psychologically that they must have something to say. But actually, we all know that when you look at that stuff, it isn't always the case, right? It isn't always the case. So, true, true, um, true. Don't judge, don't judge by numbers. Um, focus on the content, focus on your intent, and and play the long game. And generally, you'll start to see that happening. I'll actually give a quick quick story, actually. A quick story of something that really helped one of my students who, um, who um, in, in London Business School, we also get a lot of students to invite the um, guest speakers or we invite speakers from different industries to come and speak. And I had mm-hmm. a student that was uh, very interested in, in inviting his own CEO to come and speak wow. at the school. And that wow. was like a really good idea wow. because it was a really good way of building relationships and this kind of thing. And he approached the CEO and the CEO was unable, unable to make um, any of the block modules that we had potential for, for speaking. So it didn't actually turn out, but what actually happened was um, the, the CEO connected them on LinkedIn um, the student was also sharing the executive MBA journey, putting out like week uh, block information about what they've done, what they're learning about. And what they ended up doing is creating a mentor-mentee relationship with the CEO because the CEO would always check in on them, see how they're doing, how the MBA is going, um, you know, what's happening, connecting them to departments that he didn't even know. And, and so this other thing about creating these digital touch points. So it's not just about transactional value, about I put this out, I'm going to get a job, a job offer is unlikely to happen. But creating these digital touch points with your network, as you grow your network, you're creating more and more digital touch points with these people, an excuse to, to, to keep in touch with them. And you're investing in these, um, you know, these long-term relationships and, and the concept of like sowing seeds, I guess, is, is where we come to then. Yeah, true, true, true. I mean, I love the phrase, you know, confidence versus competence. You're absolutely right. But the confidence part, I mean, we all have competence in a way. But the confidence part is all about, you know, it's taking time. And you have to think about the whole, uh, you know, uh, personal branding yourself. It's like a long journey. So it's not like now in the effect, you know, it takes time to build it. Like you said, I, it took me like two years to start building my personal brand. And I start being noticed by others and recruiters and stuff like that. But, you know, confidence is really key. And a lot of people uh, have problems with having their own confidence. You know, it's take time, basically. It's, somebody, you have to work on yourself. Uh, that's the only thing that uh, I can advise from my side. Yeah, totally. I think it's, it's definitely a long-term project. And there's lots of elements that come into it. I think you've touched upon quite a few really important ones. But your work ethic, your you know your results, your track record, your potential, um, the way you do things, what other people say about you. Um, there's so many elements that make up the professional brand. And I think a lot of these things we do subconsciously anyway. Um, and some things it's worth being conscious of to help take an audit potentially to improve on. Um, there's always room for improvement in a lot of things, but I think once you start taking ownership of your of your professional brand, um, then you start to you know curate the opportunities as well that come towards you. Absolutely, absolutely. And let me move on to your fav, fa- uh, famous phrase, which is planting seeds. You know, I've been hearing that yeah. for the last two years. We've been talking <laughs> about it, and every time I see you, we sit down one on one, plant seed, plant seed. You have plant seed. What's all this about? <laughs> I think it's yeah, it's a very uh, recurring theme. I think it's the it's the it's the idea of of, of planting a garden, and it, I think and it applies to things of um, from your network um, to um, to taking on projects uh, to uh, creating touch points. 
And, you know, I think the, um, the, the, the phrase I like is that action creates information. And uh, so by doing small things, actually, you get a lot of feedback back and you, and, and it shouldn't be a transactional cost of, of, of when you plant something, you can't go and check if that's grown in every hour because it's not going to have grown. But to constantly plant seeds is to believe in the future and believe in tomorrow and you will yield results. And sometimes the compounding effect of planting lots of seeds is that you get huge bountiful results in, 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 in the future. Um, whereas if you think that you're only going to get it now and immediately, you're not going to get those results. So with a lot Absolutely. of coaching, uh, a lot of coaching is about planting seeds with future relationships. So a lot of people say um, at a networking event, I want to meet the most important person here. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's always not always the case I think you know some of these people are going to be future uh, future leaders of tomorrow some of these people are going to be you know I think um, there is a concept of managing relationships in 3D and um, you know how you treat the people below you how you treat the people to peers to you and how you treat the people above you are equally important sometimes you know when I was a headhunter and I was asked to find you know a, a, a leader of a certain company you know, often I would connect with people a lot lower down the food chain and ask them for recommendations on who they consider would be leaders of the future or or, or, or leaders they value. You know, and so mm-hmm. you know, so this 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 is this is the, the planting seeds concept is 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 a very uh, overarching theme about uh, investing in multiple ways for tomorrow <laughs> and not thinking about not thinking about immediate value back. You know, uh, and you will reap those benefits, or uh, uh, you know, eventually. I'm really confident of that. Some seeds might not flower, but doesn't mean that doesn't matter when you plant them in, in with uh, intent and in volume. I absolutely agree. I mean, I mean, I've tried it myself. The planting seed. I've been using it for like two years, and uh, I keep on rephrasing this, uh, you know, in my mind. Planting seed. I, I am actually planting seed for the last two years, and I got my fruits at the end of the day. You know, I got what I want. I am in a happy place and I got my own business starting and uh, people are getting visible. So it's all about taking time. And if, even though the seeds doesn't work that way, you can plant another seed, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. And, and, and the analogy goes even further is in the fruits from the things you do reap have more seeds inside them, right? So, you know, like, um, uh, you know, I think, I think you were asked to host um, – how many different webinars after hosting your first webinar, you know? So again, exactly. the, the imposter syndrome is, is, oh, can I do this? Because I've not done it before. And that is a common thing that we see. But once you've done it, um, the amount of other people that want you to, to do those things or do more of those things just unfolds, right? So, um, you know, like I said, I think opportunities almost multiply as they're seized, right? So it starts with planting the seed. Uh, and and it will, all roads start from there, but from there you, you can grow. You can grow a garden or a rainforest, I guess. Exactly. It's always the first, you know, step that it's the most difficult. You need the courage. You need the confidence. But if you have somebody like a mentor or a coach backing you up, I think the sky is the limit because you know somebody can guide you and give you advice and stuff like that. So it's always the first step that's difficult, but people will, uh, you know, prevail at the end. Uh, I'm sure of that. Yeah, totally. I think some people ha- have, um, again, this is why this, uh, this confidence based on competence idea is an interesting thing, because um, when I interview candidates or when I help um, people prepare for interviews, I, I find it really funny that we actually don't actually, uh, most people don't actually take stock of all their achievements they've done before them. 
uh, well, before, you know, they actually, when you ask them an interview, it takes them a while to, to get that out of them and, and, and talk about the stories that they've done, their track record. And, and when you're looking at a future leader, um, especially at sea level, for example, the assessment that is done is your track record, your current performance and your future potential. Um, and the, the number of executives that don't do their own stock take or their own audit of their track record and their current performance is very fascinating to me. Mm. And when you do that, when you really look at all the things you've done and achieved and, 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 and the, the, the things you've got through, the things that you've done against the odds, the, you know, the situations you've managed in the past, um, that should be a, that forms a bedrock of confidence because that is your competence. That's your competence that should lead to what you're going to do going forward. So, you know, um, uh, again, I'm using you as an example, here, but the things that you've done in the past has been the, <laughs> has been the reasons that you've been able to go and do things in the future. And if we, if we, if we use one more growing analogy, there's a bamboo shoot in Japan that spends like 10 years growing roots and you don't see anything on the surface, right? So 10 years of its life, it's growing, it's growing like, roots and roots and roots so from the surface it doesn't look like it's growing at all but i think when it starts to grow it grows faster than anything else it goes like 10 feet a year exactly. so it's like that growth, that growth comes from that bedrock of, of of things so that's um that's another thing that i find interesting that people um find difficult to, to take note of i like the fact that you mentioned about sea uh, level uh, people that don't know the uh, that track record you know i believe that's uh, true for everybody because sometime in the work environment the culture or something you get lost i mean what's my competence but actually if you track back yourself you write your own like uh, frame or like uh, competence you write them down you know that you're so much uh, you have so many skills that you forgot about them the problem is people get stuck in their work they think oh i'm I don't, I'm not productive or not being, you know, um, uh, something. So basically they forgot about the whole track record of themselves. So that's important to go back one step and think about yourself, your skills, write it down, and then you can uh, move forward, you know? Yeah, totally. I think um, what's funny is when I was interviewing um, lots of uh, quite senior people, when you take them out of the environment of their own office or their own industry where everyone knows what they do, and you put them in an interview room with people that don't know them, um, and you ask them about their stuff, they're, all, they're notoriously bad at articulating that. And those are the points that you, you mentioned, that they're, we, we're, all of us, when we're put in a situation outside of where we're known, um, where we have responsibility and title to do things, and we put us into an interview situation, then all of those things, if we don't have a good stock of all the things that we've done in the past, it can be very difficult in that moment to kind of stitch all those things together so it's really important that you do these audits um, and sometimes um different companies will have different ways of assessing your skills but mm-hmm. ultimately the frameworks in which they use are just audits of your track record um, so like the way google might assess your skills might be different to how amazon uh, assesses your skills to how a startup might assess your skills ultimately it's a combination of your your day one value the things that you're going to bring immediately to the door and your potential value what you're going to give down the line uh, but all of these things are based on on your experiences from before funny funny you mentioned uh, amazon because i remember t- two years back i had an interview with them on the phone mm-hmm. and then they told me you don't match our culture i said what i mean like you mentioned exactly i mean some people look at you in a way some other company look at you in different ways so don't, don't judge from the first impression and that's uh, do your best and move on that's it so, i mean that's the only thing i can I'm- say that's a fantastic case study, uh, Ihab. Again, um, uh, hopefully we can share it with the audience. But um, so um, uh, 
I actually recommended you to Amazon because I thought you would be an amazing fit because of all the other all all the things that other the, the way we talked about in in confidence about how you're managing your team, how you're how you're structuring a, a potentially failing business in a very difficult market, in, in you know, anemic growth, all this kind of stuff. So you were you were going through all these things, and Amazon were looking for country managers, and I felt that this was a really close match. <laughs> and um, and, and uh, I hope we could talk about this because the interview, um, once they saw your profile and, and the summary, they were like, oh, "It's a really interesting candidate." And unfortunately, the interview didn't quite go well. And when we, when we, when we, and we have to do this because um, it's important to understand everyone out there. You're not going to get the first interview. You're not going to get the first offer. Exactly. Um, but they're really interesting to forensically look at what happened and what didn't happen. And what was fascinating about this was um, um, they asked you a question in the interview, which they were happy with 99% of everything you said. And they asked you a question in the interview, which was, um, how would you deal with someone that wasn't performing? Exactly. And, and, and your answer was something along the lines of, oh, so you'll manage them out of the business. Um, and um, in reality, you've had lots of people that aren't right for your business, but you've taken personally to get them new jobs in other places exactly uh, you've been out of your way to make sure that they and their family and everything's okay and you have this cultural sensitivity to understanding that you know you want their long-term benefit but what you talked about in the interview was different and the way they read it was different so they didn't assume they didn't know any of this stuff that you were helping these people in that way they assumed that you would just hire fire people that weren't performing and they were looking for coaching mentality to the business. You know? So it's very funny. So like from the middle, I was surprised that that was the result. And actually when we dissected, we realized that's what happened. But in reality, what happened was um, maybe if you had been better articulating the things that you were doing, they might have been able to be better interviewers and, and, and piecing the information together and putting and making a better match. But anyway, all, all things happen for a reason. But like exactly. that's a fascinating example of how um, what you were doing actually in your job didn't translate to what you were saying in the interview. And that was quite interesting. Yeah. But, you know, one thing is that, uh, you know, it's my it was my first interview. So basically you learn from your interview and then when you go on to the next interviews, you evolve and you learn from your mistake to, to, to be prepared better. So I guess maybe the timing was wrong. I wasn't prepared. There's so many factors, or maybe they're looking for a different culture. But anyway, let's not dwell here. Let's go on no, to the no. next stage. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I, think the, I think the lesson, the obvious lesson for me from this situation is, is that reinforcing idea of action creates information, right? So you put yourself out there. You might not have been ready for it. You put yourself out there. You did it. But it nudged you further along to things that you wanted to do and you can do and competent at doing. You know, you know, exactly. I wouldn't close the door completely to Amazon, in fact. But like the fact that is, um, that was that one touch point in, in that in that moment of your career. I think it's led you on to do so many more interesting things that you might not have done if you had got that job, right? So it's very interesting to see how it all pans out. But I think exactly, exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, you never know where destiny will lead you or where, where your path will go. You know, basically. So. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, I, I checked your, uh, I was looking at your Instagram account and I checked this Ikai Gay. Can you tell us about it? What's Ikai Gay? I mean, I look at the graph, I try to understand it, I couldn't figure out what it is. What yeah, would you mean by it? Um, so it's, it's, uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly either. I think it's Ikigai or Ikai Gay, or, or I'm not sure exactly. It's a Japanese, very ancient Japanese concept, and um. Um, I find it fascinating because I, you know, when I uh, look at um, other people giving career advice or the career advice that I got as a child or, or a young professional, um, it was very um, 
distorted in the sense that a lot of people get their advice from their from friends who say, um, you know, follow your passions or, or only do only do a job that you love and then you'll never work a day in your mm. life. And, this kind of thing. and then we get these very lofty ideas about what an ideal career looks like. But in reality, we've got bills to pay. We've got, um, you know, uh, you know, I might want to be a professional footballer, but doesn't mean I can. You know, it might be a dream of mine. I might love football. I might, you know, know everything there is to know about every team, but it doesn't mean I have the competency to do that. Uh, and so um, there are various other models out there. But what I love about this idea is, is what you're good at, what you can get paid to do, what the world needs, you know, uh, all of these things. There might be four different career paths for you. And if you imagine one of these old school Venn diagrams where, where the lines intersect, where these lines intersect, the center of these things is, is ideally where your purpose is. You know, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a unique perspective that you have, that you're competent at doing, that the world needs, that you can get paid to do. If you can direct all your energy into this center, um, you're going to be you know, more competent than everyone else at doing those things. You might be more driven to do those things. And you might ultimately you might be more successful because you can get paid to do those things. Uh, and so it's a very fascinating concept. And I think it's um, it helped people find maybe balance because I feel okay. uh, you know, a common question, you know, common scenarios where people are in a high paid job of where they're not motivated to do anymore or they're doing what they love, but they, 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 they can't see it as a sustainable future for them or, you know, or they, they're on this mission to solve um you know, gender inequality or, or or this mission or passion about what's going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, but they're not sure how to monetize um, this 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 uh, this drive that they have. Um, so it's interesting to see, you know, to to take a put that lens on lots of different careers and lots of different industries, and, and figuring out again that self competence and social competence idea of 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 where their purpose might lie. Great. Can we like rephrase it in a way that is like a self reflection on yourself? Or doesn't work in that way. No, it's it's it's, it's the it's the it's if, if, if anything, it is the combination of self reflection plus social reflection because um, okay. what you want to do might be different from what the world needs. Yeah, uh, and what you want to do might be different from what you can get paid to do. And actually, this whole thing is that is the is the meld between all of those ideas. You do need to reflect on what you can do as an individual. What are you competent at doing? What are you talented at doing? What are you able to do? Um, and then retrofitting that into what are the opportunity sets out there? What is the market saying? What is the industry saying? What is the world saying? In many cases, if you can't find someone to pay you to do that, maybe, like as happened in your case, uh, setting up, creating your own industry, creating your own market, creating your own vehicle for for, mm-hmm. for expecting that value might be the way forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's not, um, you know, it's a very interesting uh, exercise and lens uh, mm-hmm. For people who are maybe a little bit lost or maybe a little bit unsure about what they should be doing, or what the next chapter is, or quite can't quite articulate why they're feeling the frustrations or the um, the stagnation they might be feeling in their current career path. Great. Fantastic. I want to close up by this famous quote that you chose. Uh, and I, I actually love it myself. You know, Jeff Bezos' famous quote, your brand is what people say about you when you leave the room. Mm-hmm. It's so fantastic. I mean, just like, you know, uh, summarize the whole thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, Jeff Bezos is, is getting a lot of stick at the moment for being the world's rich, <laughs> world richest man. And, you know, I think, uh, but I think, you know, what you can do on YouTube is, 
is really fascinating. You can YouTube and see a lot of his interviews from the 90s when he okay. wasn't a successful guy. He wasn't a very successful person at the time. He, he was working in investment banking, but he, he quit to do Amazon. He had a vision to do this thing. And uh, there's a very iconic photograph of him with Amazon in spray paint. He spray painted Amazon.com on a piece of paper. And that was his like above his desktop while he was working. Um, and he's very, he's very funny. <laughs> Guy, but I think what he what he understood was 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 so potent, uh, and that and that is you know um, you know it like like we talked about earlier. You you're, a man is not an island, so it's not just what you think about yourself that will help you navigate yeah. these things. True, it's true. what other people think about you and how you can how you can um, how you can mobilize other people. Um, you know there is a there's a book that I read called Iconoclast, and in this book it talks about. Like I said, there's so many famous people in history. Some of them who are who were brilliant but might have died penniless, and some of them who who weren't so brilliant but actually were very successful. And the two examples I'll touch upon now quickly are like Nikola Tesla. So Nikola Tesla is arguably the father of modern technology. Um, mm-hmm. He you know he invented so many things, uh, and that's why uh, Elon Musk has chosen to name his iconic car firm Tesla. Um, but he died penniless. Oh, he died. Interesting. He died, without, he died. He died without any reaping any of the rewards how brilliant his mind was he, he didn't reap those rewards uh and when you take someone like steve jobs who arguably yes. never, never had an original idea you know his his touch screen thing came from xerox he but he managed to piece things together in a way that other people hadn't done before he had a work ethic that other people couldn't match but he also had a way of getting other people bought into the idea to help deliver something on a scale that no one has us done before. And so these three metrics of, you know, you, the way you look at the world, your, the energy you're willing to put behind it, your response to fear, and also um, your ability to get other people to, to, to influence other people is that magic combination. So um, the Jeff Bezos quote is, is almost an umbrella to that, which is, you know, like um, your personal brand helps engineer all these things. And it's also, um, and what it really is is not what you think it is; it's what other people are saying about you. What it is, and that also infers that social element. Exactly. I mean, uh, this Steve Jobs. I remember in his book also he mentioned like he's the uh, you know orchestra. He lead the orchestra. He's the one who's inspired others to work. He sit back and has a vision, and uh, he inspires people to move along. You know, like leadership style. You know, they go along with him because he's the visionary, basically, uh, like Tesla, like Steve, uh, what's his name, Elon Musk. Yeah, uh, even even uh, Facebook guy, uh, uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. He started in the Harvard Business School uh, in the dorm in the in the living room, and he, the other guy was working. And you know, all these people mm-hmm. started like this was was nothing. I mean, just create an idea and just go on and start with it. Yeah, totally. I think it's that that combination of of seeing the world differently, but then also seeing that there's results through. But there's very few people that do this solo, completely solo. You know, I think. We all, in fact, um, you know, even in an interview, I, I normally ask people, you know, who are the hidden people involved in that stories that you're saying, you know, like, because very rarely do we do something on our own. You know, we like to think we do. We like to think we succeed something uh, by doing it purely on our own. But actually, you know, along the way, we call in favors, we get advice, we get prompted in a certain way. And I think um, removing the ego from it and accepting some of those things could be really powerful in helping you accelerate your potential. So from using a mentor, using um, advice from your partner, using mm-hmm. um, getting a, you know, even taking advice from people junior to you, that kind of thing, getting feedback, you know, it helps you fail fast and fail forward. But 
quickly uh, accelerates you. Um, and it's definitely a very interesting mentality to have. Exactly. I would love to talk more, Kai, but uh, we're running out of time. It was amazing. No thank, you, thank you so much for uh, our listeners. And thank you, Kai. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. And uh, hope you stay tuned to me and join us for next Pathways to Business Success podcast. I look forward to speaking to you again. Have a great day, everyone. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Pathway to Business Success podcast. It has been a pleasure to have you and I hope you have enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to listen more to our experts, interview and amazing speakers, please subscribe and come and find us on www.thespectrum.co.com. Thank you.